The offseason is here, and things, my friend Marcus Moser, are about to get extremely weird. They're already weird. J.J. Watt, free agent. Everybody wants him. We've got quarterbacks that are going to be on the move. We've got draft season, silly season. Uh, your favorite, I know, free agency is coming. Coaching season is sort of settling. All sorts of things. We're going to talk about that today with a focus on the AFCs. Welcome in Game Day Podcast. Reminder, before we dive in, we've got a ton to talk about. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check them out and go to thegameday.com to do your shopping, see what our affiliates have to offer. So Marcus, uh, first and foremost, how are you? I'm doing well, Adam. I, I haven't talked to you since last week and I, I wanted to get your opinion on Tom Brady, uh, you know, the, the entire time on the boat, uh, the video of him walking out. How many how many drinks does it typically take to get somebody like so, that? So Tom Brady is kind of a different studier, as you know. My my brand on <laughs> on, on Twitter is how many beers, right? That's, so Tom Brady. That's why I asked. So, you, so yes. TB twelve is kind of the variable here. Tom though is a pretty big dude still, like right, like doesn't look as big as some six four. So six, I'd five, say yeah. he had to be into that seven to eleven domestic range for Tom Brady. Probably not a seasoned veteran like uh, myself. Um, but but here's the other thing, Marcus. Like Tom Brady, I'm a Jets, tortured Jets fan. People that listen to this know that I can't hate Tom Brady anymore. Like how much more <laughs> likable is Tom Brady now? Uh, like his yeah. last two years, like he's become really, really likable. Yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Tom Brady was also an all pro drinker. It just, everything he does, he does it well. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was way more than seven or eight All beers. right, well, he was having it. He was feeling it, man. His Twitter <laughs> account was up. It was like me in college, except, and, and then just tossing trophies from boat to boat. Like, that oh, looked fun, man. okay? I had I had Super Bowl celebration envy after seeing that. And they're going to run this thing back now, but I'm glad you brought it up. So I have 7-Eleven. You've got a little bit more. As always, it depends on the, um, you know, what, what's in the can, right? What's the percentage mm-hmm. say on the on that can? I think is the thing for Tom. Um, but there's a lot going on. So as you get into the off season, Marcus, before we dive into kind of um, today's festivities, and there's a lot we want to cover. Like, where do you transition as a fan, as someone that covers this when we're doing the pod? Like, what do you? How do you reset as you get into the off season? Yeah, so right now I'm full throttle draft stuff, but as we get closer and closer to free agency, uh, which comes up here in the middle yeah. of March, it's it's right into that. And you know, Adam, we've got trade rumors going on. We've got guys that are being released. Uh, as we were coming on the show today, there was a, some wild speculation about the Panthers maybe being interested in Deshaun Watson. Oh so. Really, honestly, this is maybe my favorite time of year because it's slow, but it's also incredibly noisy and fun at the same time. I am with you. The The NFL, the NBA kind of cultivated this market. And I come from college as well, which is really good at generating content outside of Saturdays. I think we're seeing that with the NFL, right? Big name trades. Yes. And you mix the concoction of free agency, roster management right now. We've got some of that to talk about with the AFC East for sure. Um, with the draft, it, it's going to be wild. And and yeah, we're done with the coaches, but I think as we get into this thing, uh, it's going to be awesome. And I think the topics today uh, signify that. Like this is, to me, if you're a fan of football, it doesn't stop. But if anything, uh, this is this, this is a time of hope. This is where me as a Jets fan, I could pick myself up and I start to look into the future. Who are we going to get? Is Allen Robinson going to be the guy, et cetera? And then look, of course, at the quarterback. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited about this. So let's dive in. The current events that we have, Um, This is one of our favorite segments, which is fill in the blank, right? We've done this the last couple of weeks. It's here to stay. Mm -hmm. And this is a loaded fill in the blank, Marcus. So let's start. This was news. Trevor Lawrence had his throwing session. Okay, that hurt my soul a bit. I say this is a time for Hope is Jets fan. I'm watching him just throw absolute rockets all over the place. That hurts. He's now going to have his left shoulder operated on. So fill in the blank, Marcus. Trevor's shoulder is... Not a big deal. It, he's going to be fine by the time we get to preseason. Uh, but before that, even when we get to training camp, it's his non-throwing yes. shoulder. It's not an issue at all. And I think he just wanted to get done this stupid throwing session. And this it gives me a chance to rant on pro days. I hate <laughs> pro day throwing sessions. They're pointless. Uh, at a point to me, the guy that ever had a bad throwing session against air with the receivers he knows. It's it's dumb. He's fine. He's the number one pick. Nothing to worry about going forward. Yeah, it's fine. Trevor's shoulder is fine. Now it's going to be operated on. It's, you know, it's it's a bump in the road. Um, but in terms of impact, it's none. This is smart. None. They pegged him as the none. number one pick. 
The throwing session was frankly stupid. Good on him for doing it. Like, that's cool. It's not stupid on Trevor's part. It's stupid that we actually have to go through it. Yeah. Why do we care about these? Like, what is he going to show us in these 25 throws that we haven't seen in 500 throws against actual opponents on the If field? you needed that throwing it. session to confirm what we already know, like you have not, you've been in a hole for three years. Like, Correct. so Correct. the shoulder is fine. I'm with you on ranting on the pro days for him. Uh, completely unnecessary. Jags, enjoy him. Please don't mess him up. Um, because I think he could safe. be really, yes, keep him safe. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Jags, this is in the news. Uh, Urban Meyer makes his coaching hires. Uh, they announced this in Twitter. It's kind of like, Marcus, it's kind of odd. Again, my college roots, like when you announce a signing day class, you just like have a thread of who's you're hiring. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like they were rolling it out. And of course, Chris Doyle, formerly of Iowa, a guy that I've covered and kind of known about for quite a while, was was involved in the, what, strength and conditioning just full on player mm. management role. And then boom, response to that generates a, a move the following day. So Meyer was blank to hire Doyle. Foolish. And I, we've talked about how we're both a little skeptical yep. that urban Meyer is going to work in the NFL. And it's because everybody labels him a culture coach. You look back at some of the things that happened at Ohio state in Florida the culture wasn't always great there. Yes, they won games, but the method in which they did it sometimes was a little shaky, right? And I think Urban sometimes relies on some uh, less than ideal people to help run his teams. And this is a perfect example. And it, it backfired on him. Uh, he was he resigned, what, a week yeah. after the hire? Well, not even a week. Um not a great start for Urban Meyer to show that he can get the right people in there. I'm concerned. Out of touch is where I'd go. Chris Doyle is great at what he does. If you would eliminate the other, which is a big other, okay? A huge other is very good. You look at Iowa's track record in the NFL. I understand the allure. That other though, when you go back many, many years to Robdo at Iowa, where he sent a bunch of kids to the hospital, which probably should have cost him his job. And then you yes, go to something yep. that uh, is, is much different in terms of the allegations over racism. This is like lunacy to me that you think that you, you can't could, make you that could do this. This is absolute craziness. You know what the big thing is, Marcus? He has a boss now. He's got like a boss yeah. and the owner sees this and says, no, at the college level, what AD is going to push over Urban Meyer? Like, no, so, so no. I think this is a really, look, this, if he wins games, he's going to be fine. Right. But this is a really rough way to start, and it's embarrassing. And there are other guys, strength coaches out there that would have fit this role just fine. So it was completely unnecessary. And you know, as soon as Jacksonville, you know, they struggle or they underwhelm or disappoint, people are going to be jumping all over Urban Meyer for these type of hirings, not just this one, but other ones like this. Even, you know, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator he got, I don't think are particularly thrilling names. So Agreed. Uh, not a great start for urban so far welcome to the nfl I mean, this is this is how it's going to be man you can't just be the mayor or the governor of the college town like you were before it's going to be a little bit different for sure just so stupid um okay jj watt is is probably uh going to sign can sign correct with someone before free agency can. begins um so that'll be really interesting so is a free agent um the texans uh horrific pr run continues uh it's been bad uh, I thought it was actually handled pretty well, Marcus. I know we've been ragging on the Texans. I thought both of them handled it pretty well. So I say to you now, Texans are are out. J.J. Watt is a blank in 2021. A Tennessee Titan. I oh. think the Titans, they are looking for a superstar on defense. I think J.J. Watt would love nothing more than to stay in the division, uh, move out to Nashville and play, you know, play the Texans twice a year. Uh, I think he likes Mike Rabel as a coach. I think he fits in well in that 3-4 hybrid defense. I could certainly see the Titans making a strong push to, to, to sign J.J. Watt in free agency. I'm going to say a Packer. Um, that's a dude that just – I don't mean this as a negative. It's kind of corny. But this would be the corny <laughs> outcome. Like, it would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah. also, like – It's the chalk outcome, It's the right? chalk outcome. But I also yeah. think if I'm him and I really want to get a run at this, and maybe I'm biased, Marcus, because you and I have made our, our love for the Packers entering the offseason and next mm-hmm. season pretty much known. Like, that's what I would do. Like, that – you can come home. You'll be loved. You're going to back holy. 
stand back into this thing and it would be it's just like this concoction of awesomeness if they can get it done i just think it's a fit for so many ways because of his roots and if he wants to play in the super Bowl, i think that's his best shot right so i'm probably blinded by my packers love uh but i really think that would be an awesome fit for him now the cap situation is a little tricky Correct. with green bay they would have to move some things yes. around to get him to fit i just think that's obviously a, a great destination. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to happen. I know a lot of people want to see all three Watt brothers. It just doesn't make sense from, from a financial or a football situation there. Cleveland is interesting. Green Bay, Cleveland, Tennessee. I think those are the three biggest contenders. All right. Well, it's going to be fun either way. And I still think if he's healthy, man, it, there's juice there. Uh, and you don't yes, have to is. pay him a ton. Like it's not a long-term deal, but a two-year uh, guarantee loaded uh, contract, I think is, um, I think it's the way to go. So it will be interesting to see where, uh, where he ends up, but it'll be fun to see him on the market. Uh, okay. Last one. Owners should blank star players. I don't even have to describe this one. We've got a, the age of the superstars upon us, Marcus, right? So we are seeing this with the Texans. We're seeing in other places, maybe Seattle. So owners should blank star players. Ooh, this is a trick of baby star players because they're what sells the jerseys and they're what gets people into the stands, right? I'm telling you, if once the Texans finally trade Deshaun uh, Watson, ticket sales are going to go down. Season ticket sales are going to go down. Jerseys interest is going to go down. So you need to do everything you can to keep superstars around, especially at the quarterback position. So if you have to baby them and compromise a little bit, Put your ego to the side and uh, you'll be better off for it. Pamper is what I wrote down. So we're right there. Yeah. Like that's the way there it goes. Go. Like that is it. And, and also include what's the other thing I wrote down, Marcus, because if you're Russell yes. Wilson and you want some say in this, let him have some say, like it, it mm -hmm. may be unorthodox and there's probably only a, um, a, maybe a smaller checklist of players that you would include on something like that. But Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, quarterback specifically, but it's not Patrick just Mahomes. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Absolutely. You need to make them happy and you need to surround them yes. with talent. It's becoming a superstar league. So while, while mm -hmm. old school, and, and I'm, I'm really curious, Marcus, like you've got some old school mentality, whether it's coaches, whether it's owners. And at some point this is going to bubble over, but there's no escaping this. If you're getting rid of superstars because you don't like it, you are going to lose the fan, um, side of this mm -hmm. and you're gonna lose football games are you not yeah you just need to do everything you can to keep those guys happy uh and i think russell wilson is the latest example of going out in the media and saying hey i don't want to be sacked as much anymore which is basically telling seattle go get me some offensive line help and i think you know <laughs> they want to get a you know a better offensive coordinator that's maybe doing some things to help russell wilson so yeah, I think I agree. Do everything you can to keep these guys happy. In the long run, not only is it good for the morale in the locker room, it's ultimately going to lead to wins and ticket sales and all that kind of stuff that owners care about. I, I think it'll be fascinating to see. And I, again, great for content, great for us. Maybe not great for the teams we'll trying to make their, make their superstars happy. I'm not sure how many of those guys are in the AFC East. I can think of maybe one, maybe two, and we'll talk about them a bit, but let's move on to the AFC East breakdown. None of, none on my team, by the way. Um, duh, duh. So, so this is what we're going to do for really the next eight weeks. We're going division by division and we're going to break teams down on needs, on fit, on expectations, and whether they're buying and selling them as a playoff team. It's kind of a combo, Marcus, I guess, a free agency draft. It's hard to stockpile a team into kind of one scope with so many of these moving parts, right? So We'll start with the AFC East and let's start with the Patriots. Um, right now, as you view it, I know you're studying draft and everything else, but what would you view as their biggest team need? And we'll see if ours match up together. Yeah, it's quarterback. They've got to get solved this offseason. Cam Newton is pretty clearly not the answer. Uh, they don't have a top five pick in this draft. I believe their top pick is at number 15. They've got to figure out that solution. My gut tells me, Adam, is they're, they're not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to try to explore the free agent market or the trade market. I think they're ultimately going to end up with Marcus Mariota, the quarterback now with the Raiders. I think via trade that makes a lot of sense. And then the Belichick will invest all the rest of his assets to repairing that defense. But they've got to get some kind of stable quarterback there in New England. It's, it's quarterback and it's skill position talent, in my opinion, as well. They've, they, it's kind of the narrative, Marcus, but they've sort of stunk at it. 
Um, I don't know if Nikhil Harry is going to be a dude. I loved him in college. Doesn't look like he's going to be the guy we thought. Nope. And so while Cam Newton wasn't great, um, that's still a weakness as well. This is a natural transition when you talk about quarterback to Stidham. Now, I had some actual odds here because I'm kind of with you. I don't think he's the guy. I put them at like no. him at being, is he going to be the quarterback next year? That's the question. I had that at plus 165. Yes. I would be surprised as yes. Are you in that boat as well as Stidham being the dude? No, he's not going to be the starting quarterback. There's no way. Uh, I, I didn't believe it last year when people told us. Well, remember the steam the of that, though? Remember yeah, how much steam crazy. that had? What? He was bad at Auburn. I, I, what, did, what did we see from Jared Stidham in college that makes us think he, he could be a starting NFL quarterback? And then you know what? He got on the field, and he was bad. So why should we expect him to be the starting quarterback this year? I remember that steam. It was amazing. So he is not the guy. So I had plus 165. You probably have plus 265 uh, in your Stidham odds of being the starter. Um, and uh, and I, Maybe but, like plus 20,000. 20, I'm, I'm completely out. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be Stidham. There's just no way that Belichick is going to roll into the season with Jared Stidham as his quarterback. It's not right. happening. I like Mariota. I think that'd be fun. You know why we mm -hmm. do this, though? We say like the Stidham stuff is cute because of Belichick or the aura that mm -hmm. once existed that probably took a little hit last year if we're being honest um i right, still so, buy belichick stock i, I, I i'm I know not selling down on him uh, no. yeah, yeah i'm holding that for sure oh no 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 i i but i think it just in terms of like the the stidham stuff which will translate to whomever is the quarterback is just put them there and they'll find a way to sure, make it work sure. but that offense was, was stagnant i mean it was it was bad, bad. and bad. um i don't think he's the guy to fix it all right over under uh, seven wins. They had seven wins this year, seven and nine. There was a point in the season that they looked to be on a roll. They had some good wins uh, defensively. They still have some players. They had a ton of opt-outs too, Marcus. I think that's a mm -hmm. big part of this discussion when you talked about COVID. I mean, no team was hit harder before the season began, to my knowledge, than the Patriots. So over under seven uh, wins as we stand here today. Smashing the over. I, I think this is going to be a playoff team in 2021. Ooh. Uh, they, again, you mentioned all the opt-outs. The biggest one to me, Dante Hightower, who is really the leader of that defense. Um, this Patriots defense is really never the same when he's not on the field. He's coming back. New England has a ton of cap space. I expect them to figure out the offensive line, get a reliable quarterback, maybe invest in the wide receivers. And this is going to be a team that wins 9, 10, maybe even 11 oh games next year with a better quarterback. I can't go over without seeing the quarterback yet. And until we get who that is, I'm going to go under. It's not a strong under. Not, I'm not, I'm not like going so the you, other. You're, you think Belichick, you think Belichick will win six or fewer games next year. I think the division is going to be pretty decent minus the jets. And even the jets will probably be better. That's the problem. And then okay. you look at the AFC South, NFC South, which is not great. Um, you got the chargers in there. Like, that schedule is not that much fun. And I, I just think bills and dolphins alone. I don't like them to win either of those, like all any of those four games right now, because I think they've got a shot. I, yes. I think the opt-outs will help, but is Marcus Mariota or whomever going to be the guy? I still think, you know, it's yes. The respect for Belichick is there, but I do have a lot of questions about the roster in general, even with the opt-outs coming back in, I think the schedule is a little bit tougher. And I think the division non-Jets discussion is going to be pretty good. Um, they, so, they won seven games last year, Adam, with a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball. Just just wanted to point that out. There. Well, but I guess I agree with you, but I'm curious who they're going to get that will be able to throw the ball. That will skew it, obviously, one way or another. <laughs> yeah, if they drafted, yeah. if it's Stidham, and I'm with you, it's not going to be Stidham. Um, it's not going to be Stidham. I'm curious who that will be. So this is one that's to me, is kind of TBD. So as a, as a playoff team, then buy or sell them as a playoff team. You're buying them? I'm buying it. I, I think, honestly, I think they get back to double-digit wins. I think Belichick, he's talked about how this season was kind of a joke with COVID and all that kind of stuff and the opt-outs and uh, the salary cap. I, I think he's going to be a man on a mission next year. Um, okay, I'm going to sell it, but for now, for now, I'm going to sell it. i got to go revisit this, right? I'm not off the Bill, Bill B uh, bandwagon yet. Like I, Listen, I, I'm just telling you, once they get the quarterback, once they get to whoever it is, whether it's Mariota, whether it's – I, Carson Wentz, I don't know. Th those odds are going to jump up to eight, eight and a half. So you're, you're waiting to see who the quarterback is. I think you're going to see a change once we once we actually get a different quarterback in. I I think this is this is what's going to be tough about doing these previews, Marcus, as a whole. 
is there so much mm. movement potentially? Um, you've got you've got a it's couple. Gonna swing of, these. It's going to swing. I mean, look at look yeah. at the next team. We'll transition to it to the Dolphins. One of the stories of last year. They they win ten games. I mean, this was a team that was terrible, that was tanking for Tua, that won a few more games mm-hmm. and still got Tua. And now they find themselves in a really unique spot because Tua was okay and Ryan Fitzpatrick was their savior. And the defense is really good and young. And they're certainly not as talented as the Bills. So, Marcus, as you look at the Dolphins, what would you say their biggest need is? Pass catcher. Uh, we know that – Two is probably going to be the quarterback barring some kind of weird draft night selection, but they've got to find more reliable pass catchers. Devonte Parker is somebody who they signed to a long-term contract. We'll see what he, if he's able to develop as a number one receiver, Preston Williams, uh, a second year rookie out of Colorado state missed most of the year. They've got to add some speed. I really, really like the fit of Jalen Waddle, an Alabama receiver who Tua played with before uh, if they can add some speed to their offense, I think this is a team that could be pretty dangerous on that side of the ball. They've got they've got draft ac- equity. I, I agree with you. It's wide receiver. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball in there, Marcus. It might be quarterback. It might be. It might be. I, I, I love Tua. I, I again cover Tua. I want him to do well. Um, I I want I want there to be growth. But I think at you know certainly at this point next year we're going to know what the situation is at quarterback. They're committing to Tua. I guess before we talk about As they should. They, 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 so your odds, my well, here, my odds on Tua, I always corner you with everything. At least I'll, I'll throw my name out there on some of this stuff. I, I have Tua at like minus 240 to be the quarterback next year. I mean, I would be really surprised if they hmm. did the whole, like what's the, what's the outcome here? Deshaun Watson, is that potentially the only thing that's preventing this from happening? Yeah, that's got to be the only one because you know he's a proven all-pro caliber quarterback and you have the draft you know, assets to go do it. But you're not making a trade or a change at quarterback for only a slight upgrade. You're only doing it for the, you know, the tippy-top elite-tier quarterbacks. Um, I am with you on pass catcher, by the way, being in the biggest need. They're in a wonderful position, potentially to trade down, oh, yeah. to still get a Waddle, to still get a Smith, to still get, still get Chase. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, they've got great draft equity already. I think based on quarterback need, depending on where it ends up, and we'll talk about this a ton over the next few months, the Dolphins are in a really good position to add one of those guys and potentially another first round pick, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of where they are and still your fill your biggest need on the board. Yeah. I mean, they have picks three and 18 in this year's draft. I could very easily see them drafting, Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle yep. from Oregon, sticking him at right tackle. They drafted Austin Jackson in the first round last year. And then at pick 18, maybe they sit and take the best receiver available, a Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Or maybe they go up and try to get a Devontae Smith or a Jamar Chase. Because, again, they have so much draft capital that I think they could do that. So they're in a great spot to fill some of their biggest needs with superstar elite-level talent in this year's draft. All right, but – over under 10 wins, uh, Marcus, I'm going under again. Mm. Um, I'm going, I, this looks like a nine win team to me. Now, if Tua takes off, I think I'm going to be you know, like embarrassingly wrong about this. And that's okay. Like I'd, I'd love to see that happen in this offense cook, get some young pieces and then I'm wrong. But I, I think the schedule is okay. I don't know if they can recreate mm. uh, last year's success until we see more from Tua. It's hard for me to see double digit wins for this team. Yeah, and I think this is a team that won a lot of close games last year. We know that's not always repeatable. And it's a defense that just had an insane amount of turnovers. Again, that's another thing that's yes. not very repeatable from year to year. Uh, Xavier Howard had, I believe, double-digit interceptions. Uh, he's a fantastic player, but I'm not counting on him doing that every single season. So eight to nine wins feels realistic. Maybe they get to 10 and you push, but – I don't see them getting more than that. Okay, so that would assume selling as a playoff team then for you, correct? Yes. Me too. Yes. Me too. I am I am just crapping all over the AFC East in line for my big Jets <laughs> prediction. I know I, <laughs> I I I I want this is a team with all their pieces that can get better in a hurry, but so much yes. of it is at Tua. And it's just such a fascinating offseason in terms of evaluation. Um, yeah, they could easily surpass that. They could become the elite team of the division, I think. But 
I think you have to see it first, and we'll see what happens at quarterback for sure. Um, this is the elite team of the division, the Bills. What a year. Uh, ended, of course, in flames against Kansas City, but guess what? I don't mm-hmm. know if there's any shame in that when you consider just the, the 13 wins, everything else. Uh, Josh Allen emerges as an MVP candidate. I mean, just just massive. So, Marcus, as you look at this team, what are what are their biggest needs? Because they have a lot of really good foundational items in place. They've got to get some kind of pass rusher. Uh, they, they just don't have the one guy in the defensive line that can dominate one-on-one. And they were hoping Ed Oliver could do it. They, Jerry Hughes can do it every now and then, but they've got to get somebody who, def- or who excuse me, offenses have to game plan around. Maybe that's a J.J. Watt. Maybe that's a, you know, somebody else in free agency that's out there, a Leonard Williams. I don't know, but they've got to find a defensive playmaker because – the Chiefs just were able to throw all over them. We saw other games this year where the Cardinals were able to have a lot of success through the air. They've got to find a defensive playmaker. I would go offensive line too. Um, yep. This was a team whose running game, so much of that hinges on Allen making plays. Um, when you look at Singletary and some of the other backs, mm-hmm. it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. They've got, uh, you know, Marcus, this is a big part of this. They got some massive cap issues here too as well. I mean, they're basically yes. at the limit. Yep. They're going to have to do some reworking there. I think this is such a unique situation. Look at the rest of these teams in this division. You've got the quarterback. And I, I guess I want to ask you this plainly, like at this point, you're sold on, are you sold on Allen as being a guy? Maybe not the MVP guy, right? Oh, I think that's unfair, man. but are you sold on him being no, the no, guy? No, I know what you mean. This is such a tough one because Uh-oh. it's it's like what I feel like with Russell Westbrook in his prime, like 90% of his game I absolutely love. It's the 10% that I just can't get past and I can't trust. So I think Josh Allen has certainly taken strides to becoming a really good quarterback. And I think with an improved offensive line, that would help. There's just a part of me that doesn't trust him in big games yet. And I could be totally wrong. And I, I hope this blows up in my face because I love rooting for the bills, but he's, I would say he's closer to a top 10 quarterback than a top five quarterback at this stage. I, I think that's reasonable. Like, I, I think he was on one, the offensive coordinator change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that told Mont, that that's certainly going to help too, in terms of just kind of keeping, you've got your weapons there. There's Brian a lot Dable's back. So good. I, yeah. He does. I mean, that that's a big deal for them too. Um, I am sold. There's still going to be those ridiculous moments and I hope I, he's going to continue to grow out of them. Um, but I think just continuing, well, you hope, and that's kind of why you're right on Ed Oliver, yeah. which is so disappointing by the way, because I thought Ed Oliver was going to be the guy. Um, and it just right. hasn't worked out that way for whatever reason, but I think they have the formula and yes, you've got to fill these other needs, but continually encasing Josh Allen in success in, in the ability to do what he did has got to be their goal because it really does revolve yes. around that. So yeah. um, this is a big number over under 13 wins next year. Are they going to be able to recreate this past season? That is a lot of wins, and I would say under, but, man, Sean McDermott is such a good head coach, and he that team plays so hard all the time. I think they would have won 11 straight games if it wasn't for the Hale Murray play against the Cardinals at the beginning of the season. 13 just feels like an awfully, awful lot. So I'll go slightly under. I think 12 is the number they ultimately get to. I'm going under, too. I- but I don't have a great reason for going under other than it went, everything went so well for them this year. I think, yeah, I think it's hard to duplicate, right? Like, but, and I'm really curious again, this, when you look at the cap situation in the division, this is the one facing the biggest problem, uh, offensive line money. I mean, they they really have to do some work. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do there. So yes, I would go under, I don't feel great about that. I realize I've gone under, so far on three teams, which doesn't make me necessarily feel good. Don't worry. I agree on the under, but they're still, they're still the second best team in the AFC by quite a bit, I think. All right. So we're buying them as a playoff team. I don't even have to. Yes. Okay. Me too. Mm -hmm. Buying them as a playoff team. I'm in that 12 win range. It may not go as smoothly. If Josh Allen is anything close to what he was last year, they're, they're going to have a shot at winning another Super Bowl. I I think that's Mm -hmm. stay good with injury luck. Keep it going. This team um, probably does not have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. The New York Jets. Okay, Marcus, mm. I'm going to remove myself momentarily from this. Try and call myself. Good vibes only. Biggest team need for the New York Jets other than all of it. 
Uh, I mean, we quarterback seems like such a cop out, so I'm not going to say that because we know they need a quarterback. They've got to fix their offensive line. I think they have one quality offensive lineman in Makai Becton who played really well last year when he was on the field. The problem yep. was he wasn't always on the field. So uh, they've got to find a, a right tackle. They paid George Fanton free agency last year. That hasn't really worked out all that well. So whether they decide to draft a quarterback at two and then use their other you know, first-round pick to address the offensive line, we shall see. But they've got to fix the offensive line because no, no matter what quarterback they get in there, whether it's Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, they're all going to struggle behind that offensive line. I, I agree with you. It's kind of plagued this team forever, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Is it feels like since the Sean Green days, if you want to go back that far, yeah. uh, right? I mean, that's but that's the situation it's been. You could go so many places here. Uh, you could go offensive line. Quarterback is probably the obvious one where I think they're going yes. ahead. Yep. Um, a lot has been made of the wide receivers. Um, I thought with Mims um, and Crowder. Uh, we're actually pretty good together. Although they may cut Crowder because he's owed about $10 million. So we'll see if he's on the team. I also think the secondary is a major, major concern. So you get rid, uh, you know, Marcus May is a free agent as a safety who's going to get paid and probably going to end up back Mm -hmm. with the Jets. Bryce Hall, who they drafted last year after a pretty tough injury in college, looks like he's going to be okay. But outside of that, you you don't have a lot of answers um, on that side. And yet the defense played pretty well. They get some guys back. Defensive line looks pretty good. So again, you could go in so many spots, um, but it really does start Marcus with the quarterback. So if you're putting odds on Darnold being the quarterback, I I'm kind of torn on this. I'm really interested in your thought is, is Darnold the guy for you in terms of odds and will he be the starter week one? No, I would say it's like plus two fifty for him to be the starter in week one. I still feel like it's Zach Wilson is the most likely candidate but if they're blown away by a trade offer and they can you know drop down to four or five or six and maybe draft a Penny Sewell and pair him with a, a Makai Becton and you know go forward with Darnold with one more year I could certainly see that but I, I think it has to be Zach Wilson as the odds on favorite right now to, to, to lead the Jets out of the tunnel in week one. I'm, a, I'm with you I'd have it plus 225 Darnold financially and I'm, I'm really interested to talk to Connor uh, Rogers about this here shortly it makes sense to move on from Darnold. Well, it, it's yeah. really not a question of talent. This is the year before the option year where he starts to get expensive. Then it could get really expensive. They're not a team that is equipped right now to pay a quarterback a lot of money unless that quarterback is Deshaun Watson, which Darnold is not. Could be good. I'd right. love to and see him also, go somewhere. And, yeah, and you can get a draft asset. Probably, yeah. I, I think a second-round pick is pretty likely for Sam Darnold. And use that to, to upgrade the offensive line. It's a really deep offensive line class. You can get starting-level offensive tackles early on in day two. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction the Jets go. So for them, um, the two wins, tank for Trevor, and then down the stretch they played better, I guess, Marcus, is the way you mm-hmm. could, could, could describe it outside of that Seattle game. So – over under two wins for the Jets next year. Careful what you say here and who you're talking to, et cetera, all those things. I'm going over. There's just no way that Robert Sala and Adam Gase can be the exact same level of coach, right? He, there's Robert Sala is going to get this team playing at a, a good level. They're going to play so hard that they're going to, I don't want to use the word luck, but luck into four or five wins this season just because of the effort level. They need to get a little bit faster on defense, and I'm looking for Sala to find his speedy Fred Warner type of linebacker. But I think this is going to be a competitive team, just not a very good one. Yeah, I think it'll take a couple years. Love the coaching hires, Mm -hmm. like the offense and the system potentially that they're going to run because, of course, we've seen it in San Francisco, um, will be better. A lot of this also depends. If you're going to play a rookie quarterback, which it seems like they're destined to potentially do, of course, that changes Mm -hmm. the trajectory as well. But Marcus, even down the stretch, I mean, they beat the Rams, which is one of the strangest, strangest outcomes of the entire NFL season. Um, should it be the Raiders? Should, should it beat the Raiders? We're competitive in other games. Should it beat New England? I thought the first time. I mean, there's a lot of games mm-hmm. here that they 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 could have, should have won. So I, I'm with you. I think four to six wins seems like a reasonable Feels threshold right. for a team that still has good draft equity and is is probably going to take a two or three year build. So you are assuming selling them as a playoff team, yes? Yeah, they're still a year, two years away. I'm not offended by that. I I, I understand that. I, I'm with you. I, I think. <laughs> 
Uh, I think it'll be fun. If they get Wilson, they're probably going to be a very watchable team for the first time in a while. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I am selling them on a playoff team as well. We are going to talk to Connor Rogers next to see what he thinks of the Jets, of the AFC's free agency draft, other things. Of course, I'm going to pepper him with Jets questions because that is <laughs> his focus. We keep this very Jets oriented. We will talk to Connor in a moment. Very happy now to welcome back to the podcast. He's a regular at this point. We love having him. Connor Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J Rogers and Connor you're at Bleacher Report. I do this every time, but like you, you're everywhere. My fandom and sports teams are. So your jets, misery cave, jets, <laughs> misery, misery, cave. <laughs> misery cave, but also college. <laughs> Less misery cave there. So where else can we find you for those of us who like tortured sports? Teams? Yeah, I mean, you're all over it. Obviously, Bleacher Report for the draft and then a lot of Jet stuff at the Badlands feed, which is articles, podcasts, and, and Met stuff at That's So Met. So if, if it's a bad team or something college football draft related, I'm all over it. <laughs> Dude, Mets though. It's, there, it's our yeah. year. It's our, good vibes it, around. Less them. bad for the good vibes for now. Uh, all right, so perfect. You're the, the person we want on, of course, because today we're talking AFCs. Marks and I just kind of broke down some expectation win totals and just themes of each. Your focus is on the draft. So let's focus in a little bit on draft and also kind of fits and needs. So let's start with the Patriots. The Marcus and I talked a little bit about the quarterback spot and whether they draft or they go out. So for you, if you're the Patriots and you're looking at this NFL, uh, you know, the draft situation, which frankly has not been particularly great to them. And they've not been particularly great at in some cases, where do you think the Patriots go? Do you have a guy in mind for that first or second round spot? Well, I think they would love to draft one of the top four, right? Guys, you look at it and it's obvious. We love these guys. Even if it's not Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, there's a Trey Lance there that even if you sit him for a year, if that's the plan you have to go down. There's all the talent in the world. The problem for New England was that they weren't very good this year, but they weren't very, very bad. I mean, they were a seven and nine team and that has them picking smack in the middle of the draft. And quite frankly, I don't see how any of those top four guys fall that far in this draft. So is new England ready to move up, make some kind of significant move up. I would be a little surprised. I mean, you got to realize we're looking at this order. We know Jacksonville, probably the jets, maybe Atlanta, maybe Philly, uh, Carolina there are so many teams ahead of them and even a, a team like the 49ers that are going to look at these quarterbacks so if you're New England it, it might just not be up to you I think that's the issue here you're you're not going to be if the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson ever comes I don't see how they have more ammo than everyone else to make that kind of move so do they go a veteran route we know the Jets aren't going to be interested in trading them Sam Darnold that would be a piece that makes sense to me so there's a lot of variables with New England where they had to go on a bridge contract last year with Cam Newton, a veteran guy. They might be looking to do the same thing. Do we see a Teddy Bridgewater on the move if Carolina is very active in this quarterback market? That's somebody that makes sense. But if you're talking about a team that's kind of on the outside looking in at the quarterback situation, the quarterback run this year, unless they want to go Kyle Trask later in the draft or even Mac Jones at 15, it's hard to find the perfect situation for them. I've got a question for you. What type of quarterback do you think New England's going to be after? Because I know a lot of people are looking for the next Tom Brady, you know, a guy that wins in the pocket with accuracy and stuff. But it seems like Belichick is more open to these dual threat guys because they're a little bit harder to stop. He's had problems with, you know, the Lamar Jacksons in the past. So do you think they're looking for a traditional pocket passer or one of the dual threat quarterbacks? I think you're all over it, Marcus. I don't think they're looking for that traditional stand up, stand in the pocket timing kind of passer. Of course, if you get a really good one, that's great. And we saw the offensive concepts they ran with Cam Newton last year, a very run heavy, obviously team, mm -hmm. even from the quarterback position. Now, was it a perfect season? No, but were they excited to give it a try? Absolutely. And what I had always heard with Belichick and, and even a guy like Josh McDaniels is after Brady and they'd already gotten rid of Jimmy G, they were intrigued by the direction the league was going in. And I know us three have this conversation on this show a lot. You look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, those guys have giddy up pretty much all of them, even Aaron Rodgers. I know he's getting older now, but he's a guy that's been known for his mobility and downfield throwing. So that's why you look at, you know, how far will a Trey Lance fall, right? Does he fall out of the top 10? New England says, hey, we can go up a couple spots and get a guy like that. I think that's the perfect situation. But the problem is I think that's going to be tough. And then, like I said, the consolation prizes are Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. 
guys that just aren't very athletic and don't fit that mold. So you have to wonder, is New England in this spot where, you know, they they can even get one of those guys? Do they do the New England thing and take a day two, maybe day three flyer on a guy like Kellen Mond, who's definitely a developmental prospect instead? I think that's what everyone's wondering, but I think you're all over it. I don't think New England's sitting there and going, pocket passer i think they would like a guy with mobility especially if anyone knows offensive and defensive trends and forward thinking in the nfl belichick is one of those guys i think uh, you guys bring up an interesting point if mac jones is to be the guy um with the relationship that saban and belichick have like that's going to be i'd love to be involved in that conversation right i'd love to hear because they've got such good rapport that they'll know pretty quickly if that's a route that they should go, mm-hmm. if that is to present uh, be an option to them, right? And I'll tell you what, he is not Mac Jones, which is uh, a mobile quarterback. Like if that's the route that they want to go, that ain't the dude. No, I mean, right, Connor? I mean, yeah, that, like you have to wonder, you know, because of how poorly they've drafted wide receivers in the last what eight years. I mean, they've missed on almost every single one. The last guy they really hit out of the park with was Julian Edelman, who was like a, a seventh round pick, former quarterback they don't really have much there at wide receiver that if you're drafting Mac Jones, and this is why I often align him with the new Orleans saints, you're putting him in a situation where the saints have a top three offensive line in the NFL, number one wide receiver, a great, maybe the best pass catching back in the NFL. There's so many different weapons there in an offense that makes sense for him. Can he do all the timing concepts? And and is he a guy that is very, very bright? Absolutely. But the offensive line, it's 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 pretty good, but they might lose Joe Tooney in free agency. Let's not forget that. That's a big hit. They don't have anything at wide receiver. They just don't have a lot of juice at playmaker. So how would Mac Jones look in that offense without guys like that, especially the Alabama system he's coming out with? I mean, Alabama's offense is better than anything New England te- yeah. technically has the skill spots <laughs> right now. Yes, it's it's really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably better than a lot, a lot of teams. It's not a New a England teams, thing. Yeah. It's better than a lot well, of teams. I, I yeah. think that's kind of a natural transition to the next team, which is the Dolphins. That's a team that needs to upgrade uh, skill position talent. And, you know, Connor, in my eyes, they're the, probably the most right now intriguing team in the draft. Number three, thanks to the Texans, number 18 as well. So uh, Marcus and I kind of talked about sort of, you know, the belief in Tua. If you're running that team, Connor, that's, uh, we'll, we'll position it that way. What do you do with that number three pick? Well, I think they're going to move forward with Tua, right? And it, the problem is the Texans just aren't answering trade calls right now. And and the Dolphins have operated like a team this offseason that plans to do whatever they can to set Tua up for success. You've seen some of the hires they've made. You're, you're going to see how they respond, whether it's in free agency. And I think that'll have a trickle effect into the draft. Now, what I would do, I know everybody's looking at them and saying wide receiver I would actually draft Penny Sewell in this yes. spot. I, I yes. think that they reached on Austin Jackson last year. You can't go back. You can't cry over spilled milk. He's somebody that is a couple, still feels like he was years away when he was taken. Uh, we saw the roller coaster that he was, but I think they hit on Robert Hunt as well, who's a player that can play right tackle. He can play guard. So if you take Penny Sewell, you're going, okay, we got a franchise left tackle, a guy that's very scheme diverse, a guy that's pro ready, even though he didn't play this year. I'm not really worried about that. You're probably going to flip Austin Jackson over and you'll play Hunt on the inside. And, and now you start to have an offensive line in place that can succeed in the run game, that can give Tua a chance, keep him upright. Because let's not forget, and you tease this off the top of it, this is a team that also is picking 18th. They're also picking 36th because the Texans are just the gift that keeps on giving in this era of football. (laughs) So why can't you capitalize at wide receiver in those spots or running back, whether it's Najee Harris at 18 or, or Travis Etienne or Javante Williams at 36, you're going to be able to get one of those wide receivers. I don't know if a Jamar chase, a Jalen Waddle or a Devante Smith fall to 18. My gut feeling is maybe one of them does because nobody thought somebody like CD lamb would fall last year, but you still got Rashad Bateman. You still got Rondell Moore. There's a, I can do this all day with names at wide receiver. So I would take somebody that I think is a phenomenal offensive line prospect, much harder to find with Penny Sewell with their top pick instead, if they don't even trade it. Yeah. So this is why we like you so much, Connor, because you're so smart with some of this stuff. So first of all, I love the call on Penny. He agrees with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He agrees with you. Here's the thing with Sue. I don't think you even have to switch Austin Jackson. You can leave Austin. You can play right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is play Sue at right tackle because Tua is a left-handed quarterback anyways. Right. So put your better offensive lineman on the blind side on that right side makes everything nice and easy. The question I had for you, Connor, 
if the if the Dolphins do select a quarterback, and let's go with the two, or excuse me, a wide receiver, which one is a better fit for the Dolphins? Is it Devontae Smith or is it Jalen Waddle? Because I'm thinking Waddle with his speed might actually be a better fit in that offense than Devontae Smith. I would fully agree with you. I think Jalen Waddle is the second best wide receiver in this class, only behind Jamar Chase. And and I'm sorry, Kramer. Yes. I love Devontae Smith and think he's a top 15 guy. I can't argue with yes, that. In terms of talent, seriously. Yeah, the problem is, I mean, he, he's going to be an outlier, and that's okay. He's going to be a 180-pound player on his on his days soaking wet, right, after a big buffet. And he's just <laughs> he's going to succeed like that, and that's okay. But I, I agree with you, Marcus. you got to look at what the offense needs, and you got to look at the scale. I don't really think the grades are going to be significantly different on Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, at least for me. I think both are worthy of top 10 selections, even top five selections. I think Waddle is the closest thing we're going to get in terms of skill set to Tyreek Hill in the draft in, in really quite some time. You're looking at on a fast track day, probably go sub four, three. I mean, that's yeah. how fast the guy really is. Now, sure, there's going to be some lingering things there, recovering from the ankle, uh, not a true combine this year. We don't know how pro day tracks and times are going to run. So we're never going to have those real, real concrete numbers on Waddle speed that we think. But if you watch the tape, it's pretty easy to see the guy can fly. And I think the familiarity there, of course, is really, really nice. Waddle was able to somehow crack a lineup as the fourth wide receiver, you know, playing behind all future first round kind of pros. So I think Waddle would be the guy. I think now Chase is a special player, but you've sunk some money into Devontae Parker where you have your physical jump ball receiver already. Mm -hmm. Go get the different guy. Go get the guy that can stretch the field. Let's not forget, this is going to be a very, very run-heavy team. And if you don't have a vertical receiver in your offense, there's really less of a threat for the defense to sit on their heels. So you want to open up that run game as well. Yeah, last thing on Waddle and Smith. Well, real quick, though, um, Marcus, I'll say it to both you guys. You mentioned three wide receivers that I think are all awesome that are going to be in that three to nine range. Doesn't this open it up the, unless you go Sewell, aren't you looking to trade back? Cause you're still going to get one of them, whether it's a Carolina, whether it's a Detroit, like, aren't you in, you're in such a great position because if you have a love for a waddle, you could move back to four or five. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different things that you could do. If you're, if you're content to just get one of those guys, if you want one of them, it's a different story, right? Yeah. It's uh, go ahead, Marcus. I was going to say, I, I, I think the best situation would be Sewell at three and then moving up from number 18 to go get a receiver, you know, potentially at number 10, uh, the giants drafted at 11. We kind of have a feeling they're going to go pass catcher. So it's interesting. Go up, go up to 10 with that second pick, get the best remaining receiver available. Uh, and I, I think that makes even more sense for the dolphins. Yeah, I think so too. I think if you can somehow recoup even more draft capital than they already have, there's no shame in going back. And and maybe we're, you know, kind of overlooking something huge here, guys. Maybe they value a player like Kyle Pitts as a weapon in their offense. I know they have Gusecki. Um, you know, they're going to have a couple of players returning at wide receiver that opted out last year. They still need help at wide receiver. I think I'd prioritize that. Mm-hmm. But you never know what a new offensive staff is thinking and how teams will grade Kyle Pitts, where if you like him enough, you can move out of three. Like Marcus said, you can go back a little further, still get your consolation prize is a Kyle Pitts. And then you're also picking at 18. And, you know, once again, I think this will be a run heavy attack. I think Najee Harris will be one of the players debated on the board for them. The options are endless. I just think there's a reoccurring theme here with Miami that they need skill talent and they'll attack it pretty significantly. And they need Tua to be great too. Yeah, they do. That's the other component of this. And of course, if Deshaun Watson's, uh, if they're starting to take calls, I would imagine that Miami has to show interest because they're equipped to to probably handle that request as ridiculous or robust as it might seem better than anybody, uh, even including the Jets. Um, Bills are a much different topic uh, in terms of draft. And I'm really interested, uh, Connor, to get your thoughts. Marcus and I talking about, Marcus talked about defensive line getting a push. Ed Oliver has been okay. Uh, you've got Epinesa, you've got all these different pieces, but you need some uh, help there. Offensive line has been kind of um, the place where I said, maybe you start with. So if you're working on this bills and again, a lot of salary cap things to figure out, looking specifically at the draft, where do you go for a team that looks like it's going to be um, where success is going to be sustainable. Yeah, they're in a good spot. And that's because they have one of the best GMs in all of football and Brandon Bean in terms of drafting, in terms of how he allocates money and free agency and really attacks things. 
what the domino that we're waiting to fall with them, and I do think he'll end up leaving in free agency, is Matt Milano. He's one of the better cover linebackers in the NFL, quietly. I mean, he's not, you know, a top five overall linebacker. He's a guy that's not going to be the stalwart run defender. But he's somebody that in a primarily zone defense can really give you speed in the middle of the field and can run and cover. So when you're picking that late, you know, you wonder how they're going to look at the linebacker spot if he leaves. And there's a lot of names that might be hovering around the board. I think Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame is one of the most athletic linebackers and versatile Swiss Army Knife guys I've seen in a while. I don't think he makes it to them that far, but if he's there, I don't really see how you pass on him. They really need help at, at edge pass rush. It's probably something that could be the difference of them going to a Super Bowl in the next couple of years and not because Josh Allen's phenomenal. They got a number one wide receiver. Uh, they're very deep at the skill positions. They're a, you know, a very good offensive line quietly. The secondary is well coached. They're smart. They take away the football. They just need more juice up front on the edge. And, and I think if you can bring back Milano and you say, hey, we're not really worried about off-ball linebacker anymore – which edge is going to fall to us? Is it going to be Aziz Ojulari? Is it going to be Ronnie Perkins? Are you going to go for one of the Miami guys and Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, or even a Quincy Roche, who's probably more of a round two, round three player, but they just need more bend and burst and speed rush kind of guys up front. And fortunately for them, this was a disappointing edge class in the summer. I think a lot of guys broke out this year in the shortened season, and it'll kind of be that sweet spot where the Bills pick at 30th overall. And if they want to go offensive line, they're in a great spot to grab an offensive line at the end of the first round, whether it's a tackle. Uh, I kind of like Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame quite a bit, maybe as a plug and play right tackle. If they want a guy that's a little bit more scheme uh, diverse, you can get Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Uh, I would not be surprised if Brandon Bean decides to continue to build up that offensive line late in the first round, given how talented it will be at that spot. Real quick, Marcus and I talked about it and we sort of stumbled around, I think, a conclusive answer on Josh Allen. Let's break draft protocol. Like, are you sold on this being the version that we're going to get? I mean, that version was pretty crazy. So, and I think everybody's going to stumble around this answer because it was such this meteoric rise. So where do you stand today on Josh Allen? I mean, it's hard to bet against the guy right now, right? I think pretty comfortably he's going to be a top 10 guy in the league going forward. And, and that's enough to pay a guy, right? When you have one of those top 10 guys, you pay them. They're going to do that. They're going to get that done. I think the, the benefit of why believing in if Josh Allen was a stock, right? An actual safe, reliable stock, or the reason you believe that is because Brandon Bean knows what he needs. He, he needs the offensive line to keep him up, right? Which most quarterbacks do. He has the mobility to extend plays out of structure and find those wide receivers that can win down the field. Uh, they're going to work on that run game, but they have the run game there with two running young running backs. So I'm a believer in Josh Allen. He's obviously a guy that can win with. He does everything that you look for in quarterbacks in today's NFL. A little crazy at times. I do think we'll see. <laughs> There will be some volatility in terms of turnovers. He's not going to be this player that I thought this year was about as much as you could ask for from him, right? I don't really think anybody saw this year coming from Josh Allen. There will always be times where he tries to play hero ball and he does too much and, and that'll lead to turnovers. But a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL are like that. So I'm buying the Josh Allen stock. I'm a believer in Josh Allen. And most importantly, I think he's actually in a franchise that understands how to build sustainable success around him. Watch them to grab a great wide receiver in that round two, three, four range. Cause it's such a deep class to kind of throw into that mix. It's kind of like the Clyde Edwards Hilaire situation, right? Where they've got this mm -hmm. offense that they can grab. You guys mentioned some of the names. It's a, it's a, you know, we're going to go 12, 15 deep where you probably have a guy that can really make an impact for an offense where that wide receiver can come in and not have to do everything out of the start. It feels like they have that luxury point with digs and everything else they have going on. Um, yeah, bills are going to be fun, man. And I'm with you on Allen. I mean, at the very least, I want to see it. They have to keep him upright and make sure he does not eliminate some of those moments uh, as much fun as they are to watch. Uh, all right, finally, we get to the prime main event, of course. The, the event everybody has yeah, been waiting for. Yeah, right? the filet mignon, right? The filet mignon, yes. Yes, we, th these are baked potatoes. Yes. But this is the main course. The New York Jets. Uh, I genuinely feel joy inside. All right. So Connor, are you've, you and I have talked about this offline. We've talked about it on air. The update as if you will, on that number two pick puts you again with the GM hat. What are you doing with that number two pick? I mean, I'm going to take Zach Wilson, right? It's, it's a conversation of if we're going to take a quarterback and then it becomes the debate room of which one are we going to take between Wilson fields and Lance and, 
I think every scout in the building can probably sit there and make a valid argument for any of them. It, mm-hmm. it just is a matter of who, the, what the offense is and what they want to do. And I think we've kind of gotten a little bit of a cheat code in figuring that out because you hire a guy that is not only the younger brother of a head coach in the league. And, you know, obviously Matt LaFleur, they hired Mike LaFleur to run their offense, but he was, he was also with Kyle Shanahan for a long time with the 49ers. So they're going to look to replicate that system and it's tailor made for everything Zach Wilson does. Now that's what I want to do. And I honestly think we're trending that way, guys. I'm not saying it'll be more of a conversation between Wilson and fields. I think when all is said and done, But I think the one hurdle everyone has been trying to clear, and if you listen to whether it's ESPN, Adam Schefter, or all these guys that are kind of flopping around with the stance, the bottom line is the Jets are at least fielding calls on Sam Darnold and hearing out and trying. And they called about Matt Stafford, and they didn't call the trade for Matt Stafford. They called the trade to figure out what the trade market looks like for quarterback needy teams. So the the fact is the Jets are in this situation where they're probably going to get some kind of return for their young quarterback that has not worked out. And it's probably a significant enough return where they feel good about it. They're sitting in the number two pick in a good quarterback class where they can take that guy and feel, you know, obviously comfortable that he's the direction of their franchise. And, and I think once again, you can't operate in this world where you're banking on landing a Deshaun Watson because the Texans aren't living in that world. Uh, I don't know if the Jets are confident that he'd waive their no trade clause for them. I think that's a huge question mark in all of it. So I think when we're looking at it, it's I don't want to call it simple because when you're picking number two overall and there's a lot of closely graded quarterbacks that have fallen into your lap and you're also moving on from a talented young guy that just hasn't really figured it out with your team yet. It's not a simple situation, but when all is said and done, when you are simplifying it, it feels like Zach Wilson at two. I would agree. I think that's ultimately where they go, but man, I would have a hard time not drafting Justin Fields after being so highly recruited, being so dominant at Ohio state against the best competition. His game against Clemson this year was one of the best quarterback games I've seen in a long time. So I agree with you. It's probably going to be Wilson, but man, there's just a part of me that believes that Fields is is the better quarterback prospect. And we're going to all look, we're all going to go look back two years from now and think, what were we doing here? Yeah, I'm it's very, tor- what do you I'm think, very torn on that, though. Well, no, I'm torn because Fields at times, you know, you went through the first three games and he had more touchdowns and incompletions yeah. and at times looked very dominant. And then Indiana, there was a couple of oh God throws and it seemed like these moments in time that maybe, you know, who knows? And yet um, look at the wide receivers they had. Look at the pieces they had. Um I, I, I'm not, there's a couple of fields probably had the most like unbelievable. There was two or three throws this year that were better than anybody, any throws anyone made in my opinion on fields. So I get it. And yet some of these gotcha moments, I can't, I can't get beyond Connor. Like, I, I, I don't know. And I, I guess, have you studied Connor? Have you kind of had your own evaluation so far? I know it's early in the process when it comes to Wilson versus Fields and your own kind of individual conclusion. You alluded a little bit about it earlier. Yeah, it's it's the first question I get on every single Jets related show that I <laughs> I do. So I've I've answered it like enough times where I actually feel com- like comfortable in in going into real reasons why. And what I always try to say is it's nice that they hired a coach already, right? Because that makes it a little easier. Yep. I think that. You know, let, let's just say hypothetically, they hired a guy like Greg Roman to run the offense where you're yeah. going to be looking at a quarterback that can actually be a second level of the field runner, make a linebacker miss and pick up chunk yardage and also push the ball vertically. Well, then I would sit there and go, Justin Fields is tailor made to do that. But if you're looking for a guy that, you know, everything is so fluid, everything's so twitchy, the mm-hmm. timing throws, the throws on the move, uh, just cutting the field in half, I think, and ball placement. I've said this about Zach Wilson, the ball placement, uh, uh, some of the wow throws, even the incompletions is as good as anyone in this class, anyone that we've seen really in the last couple of years. So I think it's a tough, really tough question because I believe that both are going to be successful in the NFL. And I think a lot of it will be situational based. Right. And I think a lot of it could come down to health as well. I've seen fields take some monster hits that he, he has to avoid. I've seen Wilson's frame not hold up in earlier years in his career where he's a guy that's had shoulder problems already. So you could say that about any quarterback in the league. Trevor Lawrence is going under the knife and having a significant uh, shoulder surgery on his non-throwing one. So you need to protect these guys, and that makes projecting quarterbacks very, very difficult. And I think for the Jets situation, they have to have an honest conversation and ask, 
what kind of team are we going to be? And, and I think that's the things they're figuring out right now because Sam Darnold's even a guy that might find more success in that offensive system rather than being a pocket passing quarterback that he was under Adam Gase. And he was quite frankly, a bottom three quarterback in the NFL in that offense. Maybe he's a guy, I could tell you, he's a guy that will do a lot better on the move and, and on mm. those play action boots and, and a wide zone running game will help these guys. So it's very difficult but I think when you look at the Jets' offensive philosophies and where they're going, I think they're going to fall in love with Wilson. And they'll probably really, really like Fields, and it won't be an easy decision, but you're going to take the guy you love. All right, last one uh, and for both of you guys. Connor, we'll start with you. Darnold, I think, is kind of an interesting piece in all this. I, um, you, you have much better intel, obviously, but it's, it's wild to hear the discrepancies in compensation, which speaks, I think, to kind of his current contract situation, but also the NFL, which is all when it comes to quarterbacks, how volatile it is. So what do you think is a realistic uh, return for Darnold? Because it does seem like the interest is genuine from uh, more than a handful of teams. I think it'll be pretty creative, right? We've heard various rumors and I've even told you guys internally, they think they can get a first rounder back. Now the question is, will that first rounder be for this year or will a team Mm -hmm. try to send them a first rounder for the 2022 draft. I think either way, the Jets would be all over that because that's a great return for a quarterback that has not been successful in the NFL so far. When all is said and done, I look at this situation and think Darnold will bring back a second rounder for this year and something creative, maybe a fourth rounder in 2022 that can become a third or a second rounder, depending on his success, how many snaps he plays, something along those lines. So I think when you're looking for Darnold, the simple way to describe the trade return is a two plus, and that two will probably come this year. Now, a lot of people are sitting, the big conversation is how do you differentiate Darnold and Wentz? Well, Wentz is owed a somewhat significant amount of money where Darnold's not. You're going to have to make a decision on his option this year. But once again, you're still on that rookie quarterback contract for one to two more years. I think Wentz is... A lot of people have soured on him around him, it seems like, in Philadelphia, whether it's various coaches, various locker room. It's never been the problem with Darnold. Everybody loves Sam Darnold. The guy works hard. He loves being coached. He almost loves being coached to a fault with how much he defends Adam Gase. He's just a good person that a lot of people are rooting for. So if you bring him in, you don't have to worry about anything like that. And obviously, there's raw talent there for a guy that was taken third overall not that long ago, 23 years old. So that's why I think that you know Wentz has had more success in the league. There's no denying that. But when you try to wrap your head around why there's so much league-wide interest, and I think Washington football team will definitely be a significant one. Maybe the Colts get involved if they don't get Wentz. Why there's so much league-wide interest, and quite frankly, a bottom-five quarterback who has not figured it out yet. Those are the variables. Those are the X factors that are being weighed. Yeah, I think it's going to be a second-round pick as well. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams out there that we haven't even mentioned yet as potential suitors. I think uh, the Saints are one. With yep. Their cap situation – uh, with their quarterback situation with Breeze likely to retire, sure, they'll give away a future second-round pick and other stuff if it means getting a shot at Sam Darnold for a year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some under-the-radar teams offer second-round pick plus, as Connor mentioned, for Sam Darnold. It's going to be a weird offseason. I'm kind of excited, though. Honestly, let's get this <laughs> rolling, get some free agency in. I can't wait. To wrap up the AFC talk, uh, AFC's talk with standings. Here's what I got. And and I think this will be, well, I could be wrong, but I've got Bills, Dolphins, Pats, Jets heading into 2021. Connor, any differences from you there on that standings for, for next season? We're just kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I know. I, I think that's where I'm at as well. I mean, definitely. You're not going to bet against the Bills. They're just steamrolling right now. I think the Dolphins are really, really going in the right direction with the huge variable that is Tua, right? Because mm-hmm. let's not forget how many games Fitz really did win them last year. I mean, you have a quarterback that was a closer in the NFL. It's a very bizarre scenario. So the Dolphins are an interesting one, but I would say second as well. I need to see what New England does at quarterback because as you have a coach coming into the Jets and Robert Sala that's going to bring in uh, a different new energy. They're going to spend a lot of money. We're going to see what quarterback they end up with. If New England has one of these weird in-between years like they did last year again, it's crazy to bet against Bill Belichick and ever pick New England to come in last place, which I'm not doing right <laughs> now. But they are going to have a lot of significant issues and start to fall behind, not just the Bills, not just the Dolphins. But then you have the conversation, Are at any point, are they going to fall behind the Jets? They're not there yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> I can't wait for this 
uh, video to be out on Twitter in a year from now, people retweeting it. What an idiot. The Patriots, <laughs> Patriots coming in last place in the division. Uh, no, I, I, I've got Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. I, I think the Patriots are going to be much better than what people anticipate. Frankly, I thought it was very impressive that Belichick got that team to seven wins last year, and they were competitive against teams they really shouldn't have been competitive against, especially like Kansas City in the middle part of the year. So I think they get the quarterback situation solved, and whether that's with a Marcus Mariota or a somebody like that, I, I think it's going to be okay. They're going to get to nine, maybe ten wins. Dolphins will be close. Jets down in the three to five win range. Can't argue. Can't argue. I think the middle part of that will be very interesting, and the two part of that could swing that up, down, one way or the other. Um, all right. Uh, so, so Connor, before we before we all jump off, Marcus and I do a segment every week called the Future, where we are betting on something maybe non-football related, or it could be football related. If you have futures that you like, um, I've been going after golf these last few weeks. We're going to bring you in this. Uh, I had Max Homa last week. It looked good. It looked like he was making the charge. He fell apart. So, Marcus, I'm going to go back to the well uh, with golf this week's good tournament in the Genesis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Colin Morikawa, try and get him in there in that – I'm in like that 33 to 40 to 1 range. Um, you've got UFC on the board. I hope you guys were betting Usman. Uh, Marcus, you talked about that last mm-hmm. week. That was an awesome fight. So, so Connor, you can wrap us up. But, but Marcus, what do you have here that you're looking to bet the board on? I like LeBron James MVP futures on it plus two fifty. You can get it plus two seventy five at some sports books. Likely no Anthony Davis for the next month, maybe even two months. Uh, that's going to be plenty of time for LeBron James to to rack up some stats. Uh, I think we're going to see 30, 10, and ten games uh, for the rest of February and March. So I'm picking LeBron while there's still value uh, for the MVP. Connor, 10 to 1 on the Mets win the World Series. I was Series. just going to say, I'm throwing in a Homer Mets bet here. I'm not going World Series, but whatever their win total is, give me the over on that. I wish I Love actually it. found a way to punch it in before they trade it for Francisco Lindor. Well, have you seen, like, I mean, Pakoda loves them, which scares oh. me that they hate the Braves. Like, the Braves are a powerhouse and they have the Braves win like 82 games. I'm like, something is not right here. But yeah, all the projections, all the data people love the Mets. What could possibly yeah, go Yeah, right? Uh, I mean, For, uh, we, high rotation will get Tommy John, something like that. <laughs> we had to squeeze in more, uh, sh- you know, crappy, like, New York homerdom into this podcast. Yeah, so in any event, Mets over. Mets over everything. Book it there. They're not done making moves, right, Connor? I mean, like, real quick. They're going to add somebody else. They're going to get Chris Bryant. Give me more one last. I think they'll sign a starter. I think they'll be able to get an Odorizzi or or someone along those lines where you have a pretty deep rotation with Syndergaard coming back. You know what my last random bet will be too? Whatever McGregor's next fight is going to be, bet on him to win because he definitely mailed it in on the last one. It seemed like he did not prepare at all. Did not care. A motivated Conor McGregor is something you always bet on. He's on a six-month suspension because of medical stuff, so we might not see him for a long time. Though. Yeah, we'll just get it in now. <laughs> we'll figure out how to, how to deal with calf kicks before oh. then, and I think he'll be all right. Uh, Connor, again, really appreciate you joining us, man. I know we'll probably talk to you soon. Absolutely. We've got more drafts upcoming. Uh, again, where can we find all your stuff? Because there's a lot of it, I know, across the internet. Yeah, all over Bleacher Report. We're going to be doing a ton of draft coverage this year, especially live, all three days of draft coverage with our guy, Adam Lefko, and then really everything through my Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers. The, Jet, the Misery Jet stuff, the Misery Mets stuff, although maybe things will turn around and everything NFL draft and offseason related, especially for free agency coming up. There's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. It's going to be fun. Awesome. And Marcus, what are you doing in terms of video on the game day and elsewhere? Yeah, just uh, released my top five quarterbacks of 2021. Uh, New quarterback at number one. You're going to have to make sure you guys check that out. Uh, And then we've got NBA content coming out, betting stuff all week long. So make sure you're following the game day NFL and the game day NBA. Awesome. Yeah. We're doing all sorts of videos. We've got tons of stuff planned. Again, we've got seven more divisions to break down over the next seven weeks. So lots to get to draft stuff, free agency, you name it. A reminder guys, go to thegameday.com. Check out all the numbers that the affiliates have to offer. Share the podcast. Lots and lots of fun stuff uh, coming up with this off season. I don't think there's going to be a lot of time to sleep and we'll keep, I'm going to hit one of these futures bets. It's going to be great when I hit a golf bet. Finally, Uh, I am very, very due. So I'm hopeful for that. So for Marcus, for Connor, I'm Adam. We will talk to you guys next week. 